Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Wednesday, July 19th starts now. On today's show, as Ben does every Wednesday, he welcomes a good friend and a great guest to the show, Monroe Anderson for Monroe Wednesdays. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. If you want to know it and it's about Chicago, You'll probably find it right there at chicagoreader.com. And more from Ben Jarofsky there too, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. I'll spell that for you. J-O-R-A-B is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Spreading Virus Wednesday, and here's why. I'm talking about the Northwestern uh, University scandal, the football scandal, the hazing scandal. If you view it, it's like a contagion. It's constantly spreading. And I and 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 folks, I know there's some of you out there go, why do you talk about this? I go, because I'm going to come right back at you because it says so much about where we are as a civilization in this country right now. So just to, uh, you know, keep you uh, informed uh, one more time to remind you, I should say it was about a week ago or maybe two weeks ago that the story first broke with a report from the Northwestern University that it was going to be suspending for two weeks without pay its head football coach, Patrick Fitzgerald, on allegations of hazing that had been going on at Northwestern. And remind you, nobody knew anything about this. This was unknown to absolutely everyone in the universe except for people involved in Northwestern. Uh, but apparently, over a year ago, a whistleblower came to the Northwestern authorities and told them that there was these instances of hazing on the football uh, team and it should be investigated. Northwestern hired a law firm. They did an investigation. The investigation came up with a report that this was credible evidence, credible testimony of hazing sexual abuse by football players preying on other football players and football players being compelled to go along with it because that's just like part of the program. But the report concluded that Coach Pat Fitzgerald did not know about it or that there was no credible, credible evidence that he did not know about it. So based on that report, they suspended him for two weeks on the grounds that, well, he probably should have known about it, but since there's no evidence that he did know about it, we're only going to suspend him for two weeks. The next day, the Daily Northwestern dropped a story, student newspaper, detailing the hazing. They hadn't detailed the hazing. It was all unspecifying, unspecified allegations of hazing. And they detailed it. And they got into the specifics, like the real twisted, weird, like sadomasochistic behavior of one player preying on another player. Kind of, kind of bizarre sexual stuff. It was an embarrassment to the university. And uh, the next day or shortly thereafter, a second Daily Northwestern story came out, Monroe Anderson. And I talked about that one at length last week because it got it all the twisted, bizarre, like racial discrimination. It's just 
attitudes that like the institution had toward black people or Latino people, like trying to make them fit in with the larger white culture by, I don't know, mocking themselves, people who look like them in its own way, as weird as the sadomasochistic hazing specifics. Shortly thereafter, university flip. They fired Patrick Fitzgerald. <laughs> and ever since then, there's been a fallout today. Uh, Benjamin Crump, attorney Benjamin Crump, who's well-known uh, for many uh, racial discrimination cases throughout the country, uh, held a press conference. I was watching it, or I just read about it, I should say. Uh, I don't have time to go into all the specifics because it's just breaking now. Where four Northwestern players, four former Northwestern players, came out publicly and talked about uh, the issue. They they specified. They were they they named themselves. They were right there at the microphones. They you could see them and hear them. Uh, so it was the exact opposite of what the original press release or statement from the University of Northwestern, Northwestern University, which wouldn't specify anybody, didn't name anybody, just said there was this unspecified hazing matter that uh, was going to cause Northwestern to suspend its coach for two weeks. Uh, we were uh, thrown into a culture, one of the uh, football players said, we were thrown into a culture where physical, emotional, and sexual abuse was normalized. It's a pretty powerful statement. So this thing is going on all the time. Meanwhile, there's this issue of what critics call an entertainment complex. And that brings me to a letter I received. I would like to read a letter I received from a listener. Well, I'm not going to name uh, this listener. I'm not quite ready uh, to name this listener. And I'm not quite sure this listener wants uh, to be named. Uh, but this listener is responding uh, to a conversation I had about Northwestern, which I urge everybody to check out with Rick Tallender, great Sun-Times writer uh, that I had dropped this weekend. And we talked uh, about what's going on here in Northwestern. Uh, and here is what this uh, listener wrote. Ben, you're so far off base on the NU stadium situation and the real story. As much as you can be seen at this point, it's actually strong evidence of the lefty perspective we share. Rick is much closer to the truth, in my humble opinion. Instead of seeing Northwestern as a monolithic force for evil that is willing to jettison its favorite son for the profits and glory of a new entertainment complex, it is really a story of the athletic department of a liberal institution being dominated for decades by a very powerful conservative business person, sometimes against the institution's leadership's wishes. And the story and the letter goes on from there. I had follow up conversations with the letter writer today. Thank you very much uh, for sending the letter in. I will pass it on to Rick so he knows how much you love him. Letter writer. I don't think I was that far off the base. Actually. But uh, this person, we'll call him, for a lack of a better term, let's call him Deep Throat. Deep Throat has opened my eyes, Monroe. Something is going on in Northwestern. I'm going to lay it out for you. Uh, and so I think you'll recognize him, Monroe, as a guy who's been a veteran of City Hall politics, wheeling and dealing behind the scenes when you were the press secretary to uh, Mayor Sawyer, as a guy who's been, like, watching how – big time media operations 
in in Chicago work, the Sun Times, the Tribune, Channel Two, like behind the scenes machinations when there are forces, different forces lined up on different sides of different issues, and they're all trying to do what they can and manipulate the ultimate outcome so it favors them. And I think this is what's going on at Northwestern right now. Like there's two elements, as I understand it, there's two elements, two essential elements uh, in the power structure of Northwestern. And one, they all want to, they all sort of dedicated to the single goal of expanding the university, if you will, building more facilities, having more like Northwestern be even like wealthier and more prestigious and, than it already is. You know what I'm saying? And do that is like you you build stuff, you build a student union, you build a new uh, business center, you build a new athletic facilities, and you put some rich guy's name on the building because that was the person that kicked in the money. And there's one force, one in this uh, uh, this dynamic that's represented by Patrick Ryan, the gazillionaire uh, insurance magnet that wants to expand the sports complex they want to build more athletic facilities and there's another side that's more into building academic buildings like administrative buildings etc and so forth and their attention there there's attention there behind the scenes because the side that wants to build the academic uh non-athletic buildings if you will feels that the athletic department is sort of detracting from their goals, because it brings some, in many cases, bad attention. And this is called exhibit A of bad attention in Northwestern, that you've got this hazing program. You got this culture of hazing going on all these years without anybody in charge saying it's wrong and trying to stop it. And so right now that president of Northwestern is trying to juggle these two competing forces behind the scenes. So it's it's greater than just firing the football coach in order to save the entertainment complex, this 40,000 seat or whatever it is, football stadium that will also be available for rock concerts, et cetera, and so forth. It's all about allowing all other projects to continue without letting the sports department undercut it. This is all behind the scenes. And so let me go back to the original hazing statement from the university. I think they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. I think they were trying to sneak through this hazing scandal by giving Pat Fitzgerald a two-week suspension. Just give him two weeks suspension until what attention had been diverted to other things. They could bring him back, go back to coaching football. They could have their entertainment complex. They could have their other expansion programs. If nobody paid attention to that hazing, we could get by it. And that's what they were trying to do. To me, it is one of the most cynical expressions that a university can make. It is true. And it's just theorizing. But if it is true, it's one of the most cynical expressions a university can make of its indifference 
to what's going on in its sports program. We really aren't going to get caught up in the particulars of whether people are getting haze, whether, whether there's racial bigotry and prejudice, whether black players are being forced to cut their dreadlocks while white players get to wear their hair long, all the things that Monroe and I were talking about last week. We don't want to get involved in that. We don't want to do anything that would distract from our efforts to just keep on building athletic facilities, entertainment facilities, academic facilities. It's so cynical. Now they're acting like they care. <laughs> they fired the coach. The, the president has said, we're going to do an, We're going to launch an investigation into the whole athletic department. I'm like, I got a feeling you didn't. You only care because the Daily Northwestern blew the whistle on you. It's like either an institution cares about things like the abuse of its students, in which case Northwestern itself would have taken charge two weeks ago. It wouldn't have had to wait until the Daily Northwestern revealed the elements. Or they don't care. And they just want to go about the business of taking care of their rich benefactors, making sure they get their names on buildings, making sure they expand and become even what? Better known than they already are. Very, very cynical times. We talked about this yesterday with Brandon Johnson and Rahm Emanuel. We live in exceedingly cynical times. We're going to be talking about this with Donald Trump. Absolutely, like, nobody seems to care about the essence of what they're doing wrong. It's all about positioning yourself so you can have, continue to have power, continue to build buildings. <laughs> I'll tell you what, folks, it is a cynical, cynical time. And it's really hard for me to have any trust whatsoever uh, in uh, many of our institutions, but particularly Northwestern University. Now I'm going to bring on Monroe. You, Monroe, you've heard absolutely everything uh, that I had to say about this. And uh, you yourself are a veteran, as I said, of City Hall, Tribune, Sun-Times, Channel 2. You've seen corporations engaged in behind-the-scenes machinations to like cover up what's really going on in order to promote. The... I, I mainly watched them shrink and die. <laughs> <laughs> I started off at the National Observer. Yeah, it went out of business in, in the uh, late 70s. Uh, I worked at Johnson Publishing Company. It went out of business in the last 10 years or so for all practical purposes. And they have something they're calling a publication, but it's not. Um, I, I, went, I worked for the Tribune. It is a, a shadow of what it once was. Yeah. Um, I worked for WBBM TV. It's, uh, it's, it was struggling then and it is still struggling to keep up with everybody else. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so the mechanizations, they were, they were, they had, their eyes were bigger than their stomach. You know, everybody was going to expand to do more and they went the opposite direction. Okay, however, another, I mean, you, you brought up an interesting point with this whole expansion with colleges. Um, I have lived in Lincoln Park since 77. Uh, DePaul University has expanded profoundly 
in, in, in that time. Their, their very modern theater school is where a baby factory, clothing factory used to be. They, they have bought so much. Uh, they're, they're now in the building where um, uh, um, Whole Foods was on the corner of Sheffield and um, Webster. Across the street from there, it used to be a grocery store, a Dominic's. They've taken over that. So they've taken over two grocery stores. Pretty soon, Lincoln Park will be a food desert. <laughs> I'll keep talking. I doubt that. But anyway, go on. I doubt that happening anytime soon. Okay. <laughs> okay how I, I taught at Columbia College. Mm -hmm. Columbia College took over the entire South Loop for all practical purposes to where they got to a point where they were having to sell off stuff because they had, they had, they had bought way too much property that they were were, were um, handling. And so I, 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 I don't know why these colleges, I mean, it's, it's a good point that you bring up, but I don't know why they feel that they have to have all this property. Well, this is what I got into the my original conversation with uh, Rick Tellender, which I urge everybody to listen to when you're done listening to this. Uh, and it just has to do with the nature of the beast. And I was speaking specifically of Northwestern, and I was talking about having grown up in Evanston and moving to Evanston in 1966 and watching Northwestern just continually grow. They filled in the lake, Monroe. That's why I was telling uh, Deep Grow when I was talking to him on the phone. They filled in the freaking lake. It was like the, the campus they had wasn't big enough, so they did a landfill. And now they're outgrowing the landfill. And it's just part of the nature of – you're right. That was a great riff on your part. I forgot about it. DePaul's ongoing. But Columbia, and, and they're encouraged. Uh, well, in Chicago, they're definitely encouraged by the powers that be, Mayor Daly. It was considered um, a sign of status. It was uh, – it was – it was hoping it was helping to ignite a real estate boom, if you on the South Loop and the West Loop with, with Columbia. And of course, it's just feeding the ongoing gentrification that you are alluding to uh, in Lincoln in Lincoln Park. So it's encouraged in Chicago. Uh, it's pretty much been encouraged in Evanston, even though like there's problems with Northwestern. They don't pay property taxes. Uh, so. I just think it's like but if you look at the University of Chicago, the, the Obama Center is just going to be their latest crown. <laughs> well put. I, I, you, you, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's just like these powerful institutions. That is a great example because there's that's a lot of parallels. You remember Chicago and Obama's between what Northwestern is doing. Because in this case, uh, the University of Chicago, the city of Chicago, and the Obamas wanted to build an Obama Center, uh, and they wanted to put it in a park. It wasn't like there's tons of vacant land throughout the South Side, but no, they wanted to put it in a park, Monroe. There's not tons of park space in the city of Chicago. There's tons of vacant land, but no, they wanted it in a park. Guess what? They got it in the park. And now, now the city is finally talking about doing community benefit agreements. <laughs> As land prices, the home, the value of land is increasing. 
because of gentrification, people could be forced out there. Finally, the city is talking about looking at for the people who live around the Obama Center. That's a great point. So going back to my Northwestern example, it's like Northwestern. I know I'm going to sound naive saying this, but I am. There's a part of me that is in disbelief about this is so indifferent to something so essentially like obviously unacceptable, like physical abuse of its students. They're so indifferent to that. It seems like they were willing to bury that in order to keep their expansion programs alive. Uh, it's uh, the other factor that I, I, I think you mentioned is that the alumni give the school tons of money when they have a winning team because it gives them something to be, to be proud of. They, you know, it, it, it's really it's weird to me, but uh, it seems that the alumni from these various universities care way, care way more about their athletic teams than they do at the academic program. And you can have all these scholars and and et cetera uh, performing at the university, and they don't seem to be as enthusiastic about contributing to that as when you can you can measure a team's uh, contributions from alumni on their uh, on their their team records when they're not doing so well. I mean, money comes in, but but when they're doing real real well, then lots of money comes in. Yeah, and I I don't understand not not being a, a serious sports fan. I don't understand that you'll have to interpret it for me. Well, I I um I don't compl- I I don't understand it either. And I am a serious sports fan. I'm a sports, uh, but I I I it's a whole other di- uh, dimension of this. So, for instance, I enjoy it when Northwestern football team wins. I enjoy going to Northwestern football game. I have fun with my friends watching the football games. Uh, I, but I don't think that what a winning Northwestern football team uh, justifies bearing evidence of sexual abuse of players. You follow what I'm saying? I I, 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 I follow what a, you're saying, but yeah. what, I'm, what I'm saying is to these <laughs> alumni who are contributing the money, yeah. they don't care about that. They care about whether the team is winning or not. Yeah. And if you know, if somebody has to be smacked on their butt a few times for the team and the team is winning, then so what? Yeah. Well, I think everybody should look in the mirror here because – I can't see how a winning football team uh, warrants the sort of abuse that's um, being reported. And I don't know how you could feel proud about a winning team if that's what's going on in the uh, the background. Uh, Monroe, this is like a disease. I remember when DePaul got in trouble, or was the source of protest, when they were going to, when Rom cut the deal with DePaul, they were going to build a, um, a basketball arena for DePaul in uh this uh the south loop and they were going to use tiff dollars uh to to build it uh and i wrote article after article or column after column critical of it and there was protest about it uh and the ball kind of pulled away from that original deal and they ended up not using tiff dollars uh and they ended up uh, using um convention money 
money that came uh, from McCormick Place. It was still public dollars, but right. they were they were they yeah. got tiff dollars, man. Right. Would yeah. we'll, we'll do this spot, not that one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then it was so corrupt. They took the money that was going to build the Paul's basketball arena and spend it on Navy Pier. I don't know how the heck they did that, but whatever. Those are the days of Mayor Rahm. And it was beyond a basketball center now. It's uh, like a whole entertainment complex, similar to what Northwestern wants to put up uh, in on Central uh, in Northwest Evanston. And uh, it's it's like when universities becomes you're right, Monroe, when they become so uh, fixated and focused about expanding their empires, they lose sight of like their values. And it's like they sell out. They betray what they're supposed to be there for. How much does the late football, the late the the fired football coach at uh, North Northwestern's of Northwestern? How much was he making? Oh my goodness! I'm doing it off off the top of my head, and I apologize, but it was millions of dollars. He yeah. had a long term contract. I want to say fifty million dollars over the course of like ten years. I, that's what my memory is, but it was millions of dollars. Okay. And how much is a president of Northwestern being right. <laughs> Not uh, probably not as much. No, as, uh, not yeah. close. Not close. Uh, I can tell you that the journalism professor at Northwestern, uh, who taught the students who wrote the uh, uh, the articles that have really brought this out in the open, he or she does not make five million dollars a year or ten million, no. or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, but, you know, he or she doesn't even make what the president yeah the university bank so anyway uh i i i'm not gonna let this die it's gonna be a source of conversation on the show uh for many many reasons uh but one of which i I just i'll keep coming back to this notion of a cynical universe that we live in like we pretend we have these values but we really don't monroe now, you usually talk me off the ledge at moments like this because you're like the voice of reality. That's that's why I say going back, you know, to your days at City Hall, you know, like you're the one who usually says to me, you're being too idealistic. You're being too naive. You have to understand how the world really works. Do you see anything in this Northwestern saga uh, that makes you say, you know, I understand why Northwestern did the things it did oh yeah money 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 (laughs) money for the sake of money (laughs) and power and power i mean what's happening at uh, what has happened at northwestern is a microcosm of what's going on in dc with the republicans yeah right now i mean they they've Cost all their pretenses of being a law and order party. Now they want to they want to defund or close down the FBI, which is our biggest cop organization in the country and most powerful. They want to do them in because of Trump. I mean, I mean, they they have thrown away. They 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 are having a a, a projection argument on on what Biden is doing versus what they're doing. And so Biden is weaponizing 
various uh, governmental agencies to get Trump. When Trump, on the record, tried to weaponize uh, the, the Department of Justice, and he was, he, was, he 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 went after um, the uh, IRS um, accounts of some uh, some of this F- FBI people. Uh, he has pledged to pardon all the rioters for January 6th. And they don't have a problem with that. These law and order and supposedly small government people who also are telling, trying to tell women what they could do with their bodies. And so they're, I, I guess what I'm saying, being cynical, is there are no principles in this country no. anywhere to be had. And when you look at the Catholic Church, you know, mm-hmm. the, the priests are getting little choir boys and and um, Jesus forgives them. Yeah, I, I don't know, uh, to your point, if this is a particularly uh, cynical, unprincipled time in American politics. Uh, or if it's just the cynicism. In the world. I mean, you look at... In the world, okay. Yeah. Ukraine blows up a bridge that's that's Russia's only supply. And Putin says it's an act of terrorism. In the meantime, he's been bombing civilian structures throughout the country. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, uh, the world is upside down right now. All right, well, let's keep the focus to, uh, right at the moment to uh, the United States. Okay. And, uh, and my point is, I don't know if it's any more uh, cynical than it's ever been in our entire lifetime. I think Richard Nixon was a very cynical man, uh, and in many, many ways, so was Richard uh, J. Daley. Uh, but the Republicans yeah. told Richard to get out of Dodge, or he would be impeached. What are today's Republicans doing? You're, you're right. Uh, so... I'm going to connect the two stories and we're going to then transition to Trump talk because everybody like who comes to listen to the Wednesday show, they want to hear the Trump. They want to hear the Trump talk. But to me, this, the, uh, the stories are connected this way. Um, there's no underlying principle as far as I could tell at Northwestern university when it comes uh, to its football program. There was no underlying sense of what is proper conduct. They were willing to bury the truth. As far as I could tell, they had the report that illustrated the uh, accusations. And they were willing to bury that report not share the accusations, two-week slap on the wrist for their coach just to keep it going. Now, look at MAGA. It does not matter to MAGA Monroe what evidence surfaces regarding its leader. 
Right. They remain loyal to their leader regardless. And they turn on they turn on anybody who dares to point out the truth of the leader regarding the leader. They don't look in the mirror. They don't think about the larger implications for to what they're saying. They just follow their leader down into that hole, off of that cliff. I uh, And they justify it by saying they're the real Americans. That's pretty cynical. Power for the sake of power, Monroe. Right. Exactly. I, I don't know if you saw this latest report, but one of the things that Trump stole when he, he left uh, was an, an antiquity from Israel. They had given it to him as, as a gift. And they had others, and they they hadn't put them on exhibit because they, they Israel, has stolen them from the Palestinians. Because, <laughs> in fact, the Palestinian antiquity, not, not, not in Israel, because, yeah. And in the meantime, Trump has taken some. And it, and it was supposed to be a gift to the United States, wow. not to Donald Trump. But that that's, so that's one of the things that he, he has stolen among the <laughs> nuclear papers and the uh, plans to invade uh, uh, Iran. Uh, so, I mean, it's just. That is so classic Trump. I mean, that whole story is is, is so twisted, uh, but it's so classic Trump. But he gave it to me. It's mine. Well, first of all, it wasn't even theirs to give to you. Number one, uh, number two, you know, if it's it, uh, if it was if it was theirs, it's not yours. <laughs> yeah, it's not yours. I remember reminds me uh, back in the day. I was a copy boy. At the this is a total tangent uh, at the Daily News before it went out of business. Don't blame me. I was just a copy boy. Speaking of newspapers that are dying, it was the best newspaper in Chicago. I, I, that's my attitude about it. Yeah. Back in the day, I love loved the Daily yeah. News, and I was a great joy to be a copy boy there but uh i remember so the daily news and the sun times shared a building they were uh sister papers as they said uh and i got to see not really meet but see the legendary cup uh who is a gossip columnist but beyond gossip columnist millennials for years and years mr chicago mr chicago yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just hard to explain the power and the significance of uh irv cups in it the columnist involved in sports had a great show. I used to watch it all the time. Anyway, neither here nor there. I'm not doing this to go down memory lane about Cup. The point is, Monroe, at Christmas time, he received so many <laughs> gifts from so many people trying to influence him. Right. And it'd be like, like boxes of alcohol, like bottles of wine and stuff. That'd be, and he, he left it out. I don't know what he did with it. I, I'm not quite sure if he accepted it or, I don't know what. All I know is that I, as my a guess is boy, he accepted it. He accepted it. It would be yeah, like that's my guess. I don't know. <laughs> I want to be a columnist someday. <laughs> Get bottles of champagne. I don't even know. What, I thought it was like some kind of booze. I just remember the. It was from liquor stores. It was boxes. Man. Well, I was I I was management at WBBM TV, and um, I've been as a journalist at other places. I knew the rules. You couldn't accept. 
you could for fear of being influenced you couldn't accept gifts yeah um and BB, and the reporters at BBM couldn't accept gifts either. As management, uh, United uh, get, uh, invited uh, all the top department heads and, and, and managers to a an event. As fate would have it, we had a a meeting a, a meeting off campus away from the office where all the mm. department heads and everybody had to meet at the same time it was competing so we couldn't go uh, later i find out that even though the general manager and the president of cbs all were at our meeting instead at the united's meeting they got trips to paris free trips to paris flights to paris and I wasn't high enough up to, actually, I, I didn't know better. I could have uh, called up the United PR person and say, hey, what about my Where's my trip to Paris? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> but I, I didn't know that I could do that at that time. Yeah. But anyway, the point I'm making is yeah. the people that are running this stuff open to all sorts of influences and readily accept them. But the lower down you get, the greater the rules become. Yeah. Isn't that so? Wow. That is so true. <laughs> the lower you go, the the more you have to abide by the rules. The higher you go, the less the rules matter. And we are seeing that with Trump right now. Uh, uh, and Clarence Thomas. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, well, we see them. This, the, the Supremes are a whole other. We, we'll hold off on a more Supremes conversation. Yeah. That, that, they're a whole other ballgame. Right. Uh, completely. Um, but uh, we're seeing that right now uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, and so the latest, of course, is uh, right here from page of my newspaper. Trump expecting indictment soon over ties to January 6th. Monroe and I were laughing about this before we went on the air. Um, Donald Trump will be facing, there's a good chance he'll be facing uh, trials uh, in four different venues in the next year. And just figuring out. More than that. This, uh, but this, is, this is why he keeps calling it a witch hunt because um, his spelling is not that good. So he, I think he's really saying, well, which, which, which of these uh, indictments are going to put me in jail first? Well, for, forget going to jail at the moment. Think about where he has to show up in trial. So right. uh, you got the, uh, the Jack Smith has two cases, one in Florida over the documents right. uh, that Donald Trump took that he shouldn't have taken classified documents. Now you got, uh, with this story breaking uh, yesterday, that Donald Trump has been informed that he could soon face federal indictment for his efforts to hold on to power after his 2020 election loss, potentially adding to the remarkable array of criminal charges and legal troubles. This is, of course, stealing the election. Jack Smith is putting together a case uh, that would be in Washington. So right. that's in Washington, and that's for January 6th. Uh, then you have the case in Georgia, a local yes. case, Fannie Wallace uh, is uh, uh, 
the local state's attorney putting that one together, uh, having to do with Donald Trump uh, violating all kinds of election laws by calling up uh, election officials in Georgia and asking them. We, by the way, you could hear the tape to throw away the votes that Biden got so that he Trump prevails in Georgia. I, I just need eleven thousand eight hundred and seventy yeah. votes. That's and, one more than <laughs> that I that I didn't get. <laughs> yes. And don't forget, and I know you have, ladies and gentlemen, the original indictment uh, in New York City uh, for the hush fund, uh, the hush money paid uh, to Stormy Daniels. I did that off the top of my head, ladies and gentlemen. That's pretty good. Uh, Four separate venues, Monroe, Florida, Washington, Georgia, New York. How he will be in all four courtrooms at the same time uh, will be Interesting to watch, to put him on. Plus, he's got to go on the road to raise money off of these prosecutions. That's what he's doing. See, the thing is, Donald Trump is so great (laughs) that he will be the first human being ever, ever to be in two places at one time. So because as as a defendant in a criminal trial, trial, he has to be there. He can't phone it in. So he'll be in D.C. and Florida at the same time. Or maybe he has his own private jet. Maybe he can fly back and forth. Uh, no, he does have his own uh, private jet, and he will be flying, <laughs> flying back. And then he's got to, on the weekends, hit the road. Uh, by the way, one more time I want to point out, the papers are filled with stories. In uh, uh, in Illinois, because the state Supreme Court yesterday ruled that the uh, the law passed by the the General Assembly last year and signed into law uh, by Governor Pritzker uh, is constitutional. Uh, No uh, cash bond law. And so uh, it is constitutional, uh, according to the state uh, Supreme Court. Uh, And so go into effect. I think it's going to go into effect. I read this in September. Yeah. So no more cash bail. Uh, and of course, Republicans, this is so classic, are outraged. They can't believe this is just they're 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 replaying the same old uh, scare tactics they try to use against Pritzker in 2022. And they're gearing up to use them in 2024 uh, for uh, the election. Now, just keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, any judge can hold any defendant uh, in in jail. You can order. Well, it's a a danger, a threat to uh, to society. You just can't routinely slap uh, a, a high bond on them, which forces many people who can't pay it just to stay in jail, whether they're guilty or innocent. C- contrast that with Donald Trump. Four, four that I just pointed out, criminal investigations against him. Don't and, for- and, and the most serious one is uh, stealing nuclear uh, plant, uh uh, papers that, with nuclear plans on them and stealing papers uh, mm-hmm. with a, a plan to um, bomb Iran. Okay, wait. So uh, those are, those are, is that more serious than trying to engineer a coup? I, I don't know. I mean, I think the coup is worse. I think... I think what well, Donald Trump away all the nuclear secrets to. What if he gave it to his boyfriend um, Kim in North Korea? I, I, first of all, I think uh, at this stage, these countries have 
the bomb. I say, I know what you're doing. I know what you're saying. Like the there's the catastrophic catastrophic outcome of building a bomb and dropping it is worse. I suppose. Well, as no, yeah, are are just as bad maybe. In our lifetime, our president tried to engineer a coup. Right. We saw it. I was with you. And we see it now. He's still trying to do it. (laughs) And he's out on no no, the point I'm making, trying to do the no bail, no issues of bond. Not that he he couldn't afford it. You know, he's like flying around. now, let me get to this one. Jack Smith. So Jack Smith, who is this special prosecutor overseeing. Who was uh, deranged. Yeah. He's the prosecutor overseeing two of these uh, criminal matters. Uh, he sent a letter to Donald Trump's lawyers, and that's how we know that Donald Trump is expecting an indictment uh, over ties to January 6th. He sent him that letter saying he's a target of a criminal investigation. Uh, and here's what Donald Trump responded. Quote, deranged Jack Smith. (laughs) Monroe, who gets away with calling the prosecutor deranged in a public statement? I mean, it's like I I live back in the days of uh, Abby Hoffman and and, and the the yippies who are mocking uh, the prosecutors all the time. They got Judge Hoffman threw them in the Cook County jail for making a mockery of him. Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Donald Trump has taken it to beyond anything that Abby Hoffman ever did. Well, while while Trump was um, paroling Gorevich, he should have had a talk with him. You mean communion? Yeah. Don't mess with the judges. <laughs> they get the last word, and you won't want to hear it when they give it. Yeah, uh, I you mentioned this to me before we went on. Uh, 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 Blago, former Governor Blago, who went to prison uh, on corruption for charges. way more time than he should have gotten. I agree, totally <laughs> agree. Uh, Blago, Blago has turned into uh, a Trumpite uh, and has made a mockery of anything remotely credible that he did as a democratic governor. Uh, but um, 14 years, whatever it was that he got was far too much in my humble opinion for what he did. Uh, and um, I'm, I had no problem with Trump letting him go there. I had no problem whatsoever. What, what Blago has done since then, I, you know, it, I don't particularly enjoy, but uh I had no problem with uh, Trump uh, commuting his sentence because I thought it was an excessive sentence. But I'm not sure the Blago example is one that Trump should be following. And that's exactly what he's doing. He, you remember Blago did the same thing, mocked the hey, judge. Man, mocked the now, he should have talked to Blago about that. Blago would have told him, don't do it. <laughs> Just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> that was a mistake. I bet I. I was on the David Letterman show. Oh, yeah. Did you see that one? Oh, my God. Yes. Where, where he said he's been wanting to be, get on this show in the worst way. And Letterman said, you just did. Well, no, but that was OK. So that's a classic. That That's cynical on both ends. If we were keeping this theme, because follow me in this one, Monroe. 
Uh, Letterman said to Blago, what are you doing here? Uh, and uh, it was his way of saying, you know, why are you being on a celebrity site, my show, uh, when you have really compelling needs, issues that you're facing, which is staying out of prison? Uh, so the question easily could be posed to Letterman. Why were you allowing him to be there? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why were you allowing your space to be used by Blago to try to what? Influence the system to get out of being punished? Because that was the strategy that Blago was. No, no his, and Trump is making the same mistake. His theory was that Blago's was that if he made enough public appearances, he'd become a scar celeb. Yeah. And they wouldn't put him in jail at all, that he could beat the rap. Trump's ploy is the same thing as that if he keeps his people riled up and um, keeps them believing the big lie that he didn't, that he won the election, not Biden, uh, that A, they either won't, they'll drop the, the case against him, or two, his people will be so outraged. Um, that he was unfairly treated, that they will elect him next year, president again, and he'll pardon himself. Yeah, no, that's the plan. That's the plan. They do have a plan. Right. Uh, and uh, there's different pieces of that plan. One of those pieces is the Robert F. Kennedy plan, which I sent you, yeah. I don't know if you, uh, the, uh, the Robert F. Kennedy clip, that man has lost his mind. Uh, yeah, uh, but that's part of the plan. Uh, and and here's the thing: I said it's the Kennedy supporters all the time, Monroe. So Robert F. Kennedy, son of Bobby Kennedy, who's a saint-like figure to uh, ancient baby boomers like Monroe and myself, uh, who were Democrats, uh, is uh, running essentially as a MAGAite, uh, and. Um, Steve Bannon, the brains behind Trump, openly says, yeah, he's our weapon. We're using him to uh, bring confusion and chaos to the Democrats uh, at, as they head into 2024 to undercut Joe Biden. He says it, Monroe. <laughs> right. He's, they freak. That's the thing I got to respect about him on one level. They don't try to hide what they're doing. You get, it's not like Northwestern, like burying the evidence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, a two week suspension for the coach. Let's hope it all blows over. No, 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 no. They, uh, yeah, we're using Bobby Kennedy, baby Kennedy, baby Bobby to really, you know, screw up the Democrats. So that's the game plan. Well, you they may have other plans too. The um, no labels party. Oh, it's going to. The yeah, Manchin thing, you mean? Yeah, you know, it's 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 not Manch. Actually, it's it's the same billionaires that um, back Trump and MAGA and all that, but they now have this new party to confuse because to to confuse some voters, enough voters where it will help the Republicans regain the White House and the Senate. And, and all right, let me ask you that. Yeah. So let's say. Uh, the no labels party is on the 
ballot with a presidential candidate right. uh, in 20. And let's say that candidate is Joe Manchin. Let's just say. All right. Yeah. OK. OK. Uh, and the other two candidates are uh, Donald Trump. Running with as the nominee, even though he's facing <laughs> criminal proceedings, uh, and, he, 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 he more than likely will be convicted of one of those things before uh, November of next year. But I don't, I'm not certain even a conviction would keep him. Oh, yeah, that's the, okay. so the he's running. All right. The MAGA people, they said they don't care. They don't care. Right. They, right. they, they, they don't care because because it's, it's, it's the deep state after Donald. Right. OK, Not so he's a candidate. Wrong. <laughs> so it's Trump as a Republican, Biden uh, as a Democrat and Manchin in the no label. Right. Who do you think Manchin takes votes from? from Trump Biden. or Biden? Biden. There, there, there have been polls that the polls that came out last week um, with, with Biden versus Trump. Biden wins by uh, four points or something like that. Um, Biden versus Trump with a no labels candidate. Trump edges out Biden. You know, it's 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 less than a point, but the, the truth of the matter is, we get Trump again. I I would put it to you this way: uh, if if it came down to that, and this is uh, we, we're we're all guessing here anyway. But if it came down to that, uh, the Biden the Democrats would be running a uh, a vote for Mansion is a vote. Uh, for Trump campaign, and yeah. that would evaporate oh, whatever. Yeah, uh, well, you, okay. you it would evaporate that support. Right. Well, the the, the problem with polling uh, on just a a party, not an individual, is whatever numbers the the no labels person uh, unknown gets will drop when there's a real candidate. Yeah. In there, there, you know, there will be some loss of support. I mean, that's just how politics work in this country. Yeah, well, that's that's happened. You see that happen with uh, Bobby Kennedy, uh, baby Bobby, as he comes into more view. I, I think his poll numbers will fall on the Democratic side. Uh, I know there's some. Listen, I know people that are going to vote for him uh, because yeah. they, know, well, they like the uh, his position on. Um, Vaccines. Vaccines. Yeah, I know yeah. people uh, and uh, they like his position on uh, particularly the masks and, you know, that he joins uh, with MAGA and his denunciation of Fauci, et cetera, and so forth. So I, I know he'll have his votes, but I but don't want won't these people. MAGA people to begin with. Yeah. That's my point. My point. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. And, yeah. um, uh, my instincts in these things are usually pretty good. I was wrong once in a big way, Monroe. I assumed in 2016 that Obama voters in states like Michigan, uh, would not vote for Trump. Like if you voted for Obama in 2012, right. you were not going to vote for Trump in 2016, and I was wrong. You know, there well, were. I don't know how wrong you were. I, no, I, I, I think that um, it, 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 that wasn't as large a number as the posters would have you, yeah, believe. I, I don't know how wrong I was. 
but I just know I, to a certain degree, I was wrong in that. Well, you know that Trump became president. That's what you know. Or uh, yeah, he became president. Uh, Speaking of Michigan, there will be uh, a local, a local state uh, proceedings uh, against uh, the 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 electors uh, who were put up by Trump. Uh, to represent the alternative slate of electors, our insane uh, electoral college system on display. Uh, and um, so the uh, the ramifications of the January 6th insurrection and the attempted coup are being felt by individuals throughout the country. Donald Trump is parading around uh, like a martyr and raising money off of it. But there's, I think, 16 electors in the state of Michigan. I'm doing it off the top. Oh, and what's, I, I looked at the individuals. They had them. Yeah. The pictures. The youngest was 55. Yeah, wow. The oldest was 81. And there was one old, old woman who said they told her that she was signing some papers or something. <laughs> she didn't know what in the hell she was doing. They just, you know, they just, they just conned her. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, Michael Cohen told all you Trumpsters, you get in bed with Donald Trump, you're going to pay for it sooner or later. Right. And all these MAGA people in Michigan, they're going to be facing these charges. Uh, and um, that's just part of uh, the and, overall. And they're thinking about do, doing the same in Arizona and, and a couple of other states. Yeah. Uh, all and right. Let's. Going after the fake um, the, the electors in yeah. Georgia as well, I think. All right, yeah. uh, Kevin McCarthy's response, Speaker of the House, uh, went as you pointed out from condemning Donald Trump's role in the uh, January sixth insurrection, and now he is the biggest uh, pro-Trump flag waver, uh, denouncing the Justice Department and law enforcement officials, etc. and so forth. Um, man, he's bigger than Lindsey Graham. Wow. Let me think about that. What do you think? <laughs> He's think got more power than Lindsay, don't you think? Oh, he has more power. Well, maybe. We don't know how much power he has. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Green may have the power. <laughs> yeah. 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 Marjorie Taylor Green, man. That's, but so, uh, what are, you, what are your thoughts about uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Monroe, how far he's going to take this? Oh, he's, he has to he, he has to go down with the ship now. I mean, he's, he's chained himself to the mast. Well, so he, he's, he's going down, and the ship is going down. I mean, it, it's amazing that metals has disappeared. And that's because he cut a deal with Jack Smith. Uh, Giuliani has made some odd visits to see Mr. Smith. Yeah, everybody's cutting deals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because their get-out-of-jail card is Donald Trump winning re-election. Right. Ladies and gentlemen. And they're, I guess they're saying then, they're not 100% certain about that. Yeah, that's a, that's, it's a Hail Mary. That is that's a Hail Mary. Uh, the uh, even a Northwestern uh, alumni. <laughs> a lot of a lot of cynicism in today's show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, again, who's more cynical? The people that run uh, Northwestern, Donald Trump, uh, Rudy Giuliani, uh, or 
Uh, Brandon Johnson and Rahm Emanuel. We'll close with this one. I sent you uh, the text. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. We talked at length about it yesterday in the show. Uh, Brandon and Rahm met over the weekend, and or I forget when they met, but over the weekend it was when the text went out uh, from both of uh, mayors, the former Mayor Rahm and the current Mayor Brandon, about how wonderful the each uh, is and uh, how they enjoy working together. Uh, <laughs> I had a laugh at it uh, because I thought, it's pretty cynical in its own way. Everything, the movement that launched Brandon Johnson's career uh, emerged from opposition to Rom. Rom despised that movement, did everything he could do to undercut the movement uh, and its goals. And now I guess they each have their own reasons for pretending uh, that they love each other. Uh, Monroe, again, you get the closing word on this one. Do you okay. think I, I, I think I can explain this one to you. Go ahead. Help me uh, out. The people, the movers and the shakers, the people who actually call the shots in Chicago have gone nowhere, have had no changes. And um, Ron Johnson, no, sorry, Mayor Johnson. Brandon Johnson. Got yeah. A, yeah, Brandon. I'm, I'm thinking of a politician. Yeah. I was uh, a senator. Um, yes. Brandon Johnson got into office and they had a meeting. They took him to a meeting where he met all the movers and the shakers. And in the course of that meeting, they were actually nice guys. And they actually supported him. And um, they thought that some of the things that um, Rob, Rob, um, Rob, Rob was doing was good for the city. And they understood how he, Mayor Chata, wants to do good things too. And so it's not going to look good if he is talking about Rob, bad mouth and Rob. And so they should be friends. They should be friends and get along with the business of continuing to make Chicago a great city. Yeah, make Chicago great again. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, well, the thing, the, the, the term for Chicago is to make it an international city. Mm, wow. Also. Yeah, make it an international. Just being Chicago is not good enough. Well, let me, uh, we'll end with this. This is the, the theory. Okay, I'm okay, we'll be real quick. I, I know we run out of time. But with Sawyer, that's what happened. They, uh, they took Sawyer to meet with these people. And the way it was explained to Sawyer was, um, you're the mayor. These guys are all, they, they all run their companies like fiefdoms. Mm-hmm. We're there in charge of all that. But you're the mayor, so. They are, are and are you, or they would rather be like you. Yeah, and uh, that's what they said to Sawyer. And while they were saying that to Sawyer, all these guys were lining up to support Daly. Right. Uh, and right. so, uh, just, just Mayor Brandon Johnson, if you're listening to the words and wisdom of Monroe Anderson, keep that in mind, okay? Uh, uh, all right, we've run out of time. Uh, Monroe, thank you very much. Every Wednesday on the Ben Jarofsky Show. And, uh, 
uh, next week, I'm sure things will have changed and it will no longer be as cynical a time. Something as good is going to happen in the next. How about that, Monroe? I believe. Okay, so something good is going to happen in the next week. Next week, I'll be singing. Trump may get another indictment. (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) next week. All right. Very good. That's Monroe Anderson. Thank you very much. Also, I want to thank producer Chris. Does an outstanding job every day. Producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody. And remember, you can always download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, all at ChicagoReader.com. Follow The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram at Benny J Show and like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show podcast on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.